0: Podcast. My name's Chase. Today I'm with Sam, Strauss, and Topher, and today we're celebrating victory, I guess Tuesday or Monday now, and uh, what a win against Arizona State. It was a team that we expected to beat, but a game that was probably closer than we wanted, one where I really didn't feel like we ever really pulled away until kind of the end, despite probably being the better team all the way around. Strauss, what were your thoughts? You went out there to uh, Tempe this weekend.
1: Yeah, that was ugly football, man. It was, it was ugly football. It really it felt vaguely reminiscent of the CSU game, except on the road. And like just from a pure quality of football perspective. Um, but it was fun. I had a great I had a great time. We we hit some we hit some uh bars before the game. Actually, we found an illegal pizza in Tempe, which is really funny. <laughs> so Boulder and there are a lot so many CU fans there. There are so many CU fans all around Tempe. There are so many CU fans in the stadium. One thing that Brian Howell pointed out, which was completely accurate, is when Mata hit that game-winning field goal. It, from my angle where I was, I had a horrible angle at the at the goalpost, so I couldn't tell clearly whether it went through or not. And I heard the really loud cheer, and I thought, "Oh, my heart sunk. Like, oh, they missed it." But then it was good. And I'm like, oh my god! The entire west or east side of the stadium was CU fans. It was crazy. So,
0: so my, my prediction was that it would be more than 50% Colorado fans. It didn't quite look like it was that much, but what would your guess be on a percentage basis?
1: It, it felt like it was 35 to 40. Um, and But because because the game is just bad, bad football, right? So even when CU is scoring, it's like, oh, there's more like a sigh of relief. Like, oh, they just scored. Like when they scored on – when they converted two fourth downs in the first quarter, it was more a sigh of relief. And, and that's how I felt watching the game. It was very, very reminiscent of the CSU game where you're just sitting there like, oh, my God, are we really about to blow this? It, it was a little bit opposite in the sense that it was ASU that was down big and CU went into prevent defense at the end and came back and tied the game. But, man, Shadour is just – he is legend. He's Brady. He's on Brady mode, legendary mode, all the modes, bro. That was – Wow. When you put him, I mean, it was the first play too. first play of the drive instantly hits Javon Antonio for what? 35, 40 yard gain immediately in field goal range. And it could
2: have been a walk-in touchdown. That should have been a walk-in touchdown. Oh, too. Yeah, he tr-
1: The turf monster got him uh, yeah. turf, turf monster got Javon. we forgive him for that because Mata and you know, Mata for some of the struggles that he had during the spring game and the blocked extra point against Oregon. He has quietly had a solid season, and he's been called upon in difficult spots because he wasn't the starter in game one, right? Jace Feely was the starter in game one. And he came in there, and he made two very, very important from 42, I think 41 and 42 yards, like not not chip shot field goals by any means. So overall, it was a great time. I really enjoyed being there. We can get into more specifics on on things about the student section (laughs) Uh, and and some of the stuff that that happened there. But just overall, it was a great time. How was it watching on TV, you guys?
2: Stressful. I hate the Pac-12 network. Um, Yeah, that's all I got to say about that.
1: Yeah, that is totally fair one of the things that was really frustrating in the stadium you, you'll have to tell me if it was just as frustrating on TV I imagine it was how many stoppages there were that first oh my half, God that first half would not end and it was a hundred degrees it was so hot we were just sitting there like baking in the in the Tempe October heat which apparently is that's unseasonal to be in the triple digits. In, in October in, in the Phoenix area. So it was just baking out there, watching these officials try to take over the game and pretend that they had all the power in the world to stop and, and speed up the game on their own whim. Some absolutely brutal officiating just in terms of watchability of the game. That And that was another reason why it's just brutal to watch. It's just not, not quality football, I I I can't comment entirely on whether the officiating was horrible. I heard it. I heard people comment on how bad it was. I'm sure it was, but I can tell you what, when the officials dictate the pace of the game, it's horrible for everyone to watch. So that was very frustrating for me.
3: Yeah, kind of echoing what Topher's saying. It was kind of it was very frustrating to watch on Stream East I mean, the Pac-12 network. <laughs> uh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. It was a Freudian slip. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, to, to your point about the officiating and the length of the first half, my God, it was so unbearably long to watch. Like I had plans after the game with friends that I had to cancel because of how long the first half was. Because I was like, I'm not going to be done watching this game till midnight. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the refs seem to just forget what pass interference was for either team. Really? I think there might've been like one call towards the end where it went against CU for pass interference if I can recall but yeah but it was at least it was terrible for both teams it seemed like until the end there were a couple calls that didn't go against CU it's like oh well at least they're calling it even but evenly bad but I think it just shows that you can win ugly like CU's been very good at losing ugly over the last couple years they haven't been good at winning ugly I think winning ugly is something that we see with the USC team that they know how to win ugly and they might not be a great team. They might not um, survive their next couple of weeks. USC, but it's a hallmark of all teams that are successful is being able to win the games you're not playing your best at.
0: Well, okay. talk about winning ugly. Total yards: Arizona State 392, Colorado 295. So we had almost exactly 100 less yards. First downs: Arizona State 25 to Colorado's 19. Time of possession: This is the craziest one. 35 minutes to 25 minutes in time of possession. So frankly, all the statistics would say Arizona state was the better team. And there were times where it really felt like that team, that game could get away. And in the past, that's the kind of game where it would have gotten away from us. But you know, all of a sudden you kind of started watching. You were like, we are the better team. Like you can tell we are the more talented team. It's just a matter of time. And it feels like in the past, it's Colorado jumps a team early and we just have to survive. And like, you know, maybe we're the scrappy team. This is a team where you can kind of just sit back and go, if you just trust the process, like they'll, they can come back. Like this is a team it's got to stop starting as slow as it does. I mean, this team has to start faster and they've talked about it every week and we're still not, you know, we're still not there. And, and that's going to be, you know, maybe not a concern necessarily so much against Stanford, but you know, that's something that you, you got to fix um, in the long run. And I got to say, we talked about this last week, We decided to, uh, you know, Arizona State gets the ball first and goes down and immediately scores a touchdown. It would be really awesome if we could send the offense out there first and maybe punch them in the mouth instead. Um, You know, that's just my kind of take. And then one last statistic I want to share before I I hand it over to Topher. Um, uh, The season total passing yards now for Shadur Sanders is, um, we saw a tweet today, number one in college FBS at 2,020 yards. And my uh, fun, heinous statistic for you is Colorado's team, entire last year was 2075 yards between multiple quarterbacks so Shadur Sanders is only 50 yards away from having more passing yards in six games than we had the entire last season um which I don't know I don't know if that's a fun statistic or if that makes you want to die about 2020 uh too but pretty crazy numbers that Shadur's put up considering that this last game is I think the lowest passing total he's had all season at 239 yards fedora Shadour,
2: Shador if he's he's an artist that's all i can say he's an artist and watching him in the fourth quarter work his magic is the most fun i've had watching buffs football in years right like i think on that last drive with 50 seconds left i i know the people i was watching with i was like we're gonna win this game right it's over (laughs) shador's got you gave shador too much time um but uh, a couple of things from the game, like touching on the refs, I, I think the most frustrating part of that first first uh, quarter was when um, they thought the ba- pass was backwards. They moved the b- spot backwards because they thought it was a fumble when it was clearly a forward pass. And then they said it was intentional grounding after they had already lined up, ready to snap the ball again. It's like, how is this so difficult? Why is the Pac-12 so bad at finding competent refs? I, I just... That can't be acceptable, and I think that is also an attributing factor to why the conference is uh, starting to dissipate. Not only the media, but like just the quality of gameplay and game management that you get from the conference officials. It's abysmal. It's it's so bad. Um, And touching on that slow start again, Chase said every time we start on defense – The chances that we have won every single coin flip to this point is literally 1.5%, 1.5%. And yet every single time we've picked defense. So at at some point, either the stats got to go against us. We got to be forced to go on offense or we have to make decisions like, hey, (laughs) maybe we should go on offense first. Uh, but even if even if
0: we don't win the coin flip, if I'm the other team, I'm going to look at every game and go. <laughs> they give up a free touchdown right at the beginning. Unless your name is TCU, I should go on offense and just go down there and score. Well, or Nebraska, right? But yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. It, it, I guess we're just forever going to be a second half team, and maybe that's okay.
1: Well, maybe that's okay. You say we're a second half team, but it seems like every time we've had the ball to start the second half, we've had a three and out. Cause I'm pretty sure that's exactly how it played. we a fourth
0: end. quarter team. A fourth quarter team. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was
1: going to say, the, the, the ASU and CSU games did have a lot, in, a lot in common in that sense. So both teams have very talented wide receiver. So uh, Badger on ASU, very talented wide receiver. He had some great plays. Obviously, on CSU, they got. Oh my God, his name's escaping me now. Oh, this is. Or Horton, or Tori Horton. You know that that's how that's how low I think of CSU. They have a first <laughs> round potential wide receiver, and I can't even remember his name, but super talented guy. Um, I think ASU is also very injured, and we're very lucky. I think that they were pretty much out of offensive linemen, which kind of speaks to why our defensive line had some success in the second half. So I hope no one's getting their hopes up too much about that performance because the understanding there, I I did, I did go with uh, uh, at least one very uh, one ASU fan who closely follows the team. And there was another one who follows the team a little bit less. And they were telling me, they were both telling me that they're just destroyed with injuries. They're on their third string quarterback. So they started the season with Jalen Rashada, a super talented guy who was going to go to Florida, but then his NIL fell through. And then they got a transfer from Notre Dame, Drew Pine. Both of those guys were hurt. And Rashada's actually going to redshirt, so he's not going to come back this year. And Pine, I don't know if, where he's at. So they are they're starting Trenton Borgay, who CU fans from last year remember, was the, the guy who came into Boulder and, and had success in, in that game. So you're on your third-string quarterback. You're on backup linemen it's the odds are stacked against you and i will say even with that in in consideration there's a combination of things one is i was i was impressed that asu came out and played as well as they did um i think to that that definitely to some extent speaks to the fact that they're playing fast and loose they can't get into a bowl game this year they're on that they're on probation from the stuff that happened with Antonio Pierce and Herm Edwards. So no bowl game for ASU this year. They're playing with reckless abandon. They went for it on fourth down from inside of their own 30 in the second half. I mean, they're just, they're just sending it. They're just going big. They ran all sorts of crazy routes on that first drive where they scored the touchdown. The touchdown itself was on a crazy QB sneak where the, all the linemen split out to the left or right. And it was just the that center. Was the,
2: that was the worst defensive lineman I've ever seen. That was, <laughs> that was terrible. I just, Charles Kelly looked at that and was all like, what the hell? God.
1: And, and I i feel like they even called timeout and came back from the timeout and still didn't have any idea what to do. So ASU playing with reckless abandon, they're just going for it. And they played pretty well. But I also think that CU, once again, for yet another week, looked like looked like a team that was ill prepared in the first half. And I think by the end, so I did, I do follow stats of war. If you guys don't follow stats of war, that's a pretty good Twitter account and he regularly posts the net success rates. So that's, that's like an advanced metric that looks at long story short, the ability for an offense to gain positive yards, like significant positive yards on first down and then convert on third down. Like, what is, the, what is the probability that that consistently occurs? You're giving yourself the best chance to, to move the ball and score. So it's a pretty decent metric on how bad a actual performance is. And by the end of the game, CU did have a positive net success rate, meaning that they did have, quote, more successful plays than ASU did. But it wasn't by a significant margin. This was on par with the TCU game, where CU is actually slightly negative. TCU had a slightly higher net success rate, but it, it wasn't it wasn't like a, a a total fluke that you'd say, oh wow, they really got beat badly. They had no business winning that game. So overall, it's great to get the win, but it it doesn't leave the it doesn't leave a good taste in your mouth if you're looking for anything more than a 6-7 win team this year. And I think Coach Prime himself, he he said that pretty directly during the post-game uh, conference with his initial remarks. We played like hot garbage. He calls it like he sees it. I mean, they really did. They really didn't play well by any means and just found a way. So as a fan, I'll take it. As a fan of the game of football, ugly football, as, as someone that's hoping that we – maybe do more than a six win season. I'd be super happy with a six win season, but if we're looking for an eight, nine win season, it's they're going to have to do something different. They're going to have to play better for sure. Cause that was not a good sign. I don't think.
3: Yeah. I think I think one thing we need to tie from this game is the play of the offensive line guards to pass protection, because if CU is trying to win more than six games, they need to have a healthy Shador Sanders. If Shador Sanders gets hurt, they will not win a single game the rest of the year. Cannot be the most sacked quarterback in college football and survive a whole season the way he's playing. So they have to figure out something. I mean losing losing Washington, um, the right tackle was brutal. And the the young came in and and replaced him, did not up to par that position. Um it's just a, a huge Shadora is special, but in 10 sacks, or is he getting hit? Is, he's not going to
0: last. Yeah, 100%. And, and basically, anytime we tweeted this out as well, but anytime he's able to get more than maybe three seconds or two seconds in the pocket, he's almost always completing like a 30, 40 yard downfield catch you know, or, or pass. So if you give him time to cook, like he will shred these defenses, especially when you have a wide receiver core as talented as we have, right? Like I would, I would argue that almost anyone can say wide receivers, the strength of our team, especially with Travis Hunter potentially coming back this week. So if they give him any time, he's just running for his life. I think it'll be better against Stanford. I think their defensive line is truly horrendous, but that doesn't improve the actual underlying offensive line problem. And that's going to have to be fixed through the portal. And I think prime's, you know, already alluding to that is, that's not something we can fix with high school recruiting we need big bodies to come in now and the way to do that is through the portal so that's going to be something we're have to wait i think until the off season because the guys that are there right now are not going to cut it and honestly if we think about it right um was it what Travis Gray or whoever the um guy that ended up leaving Colorado whose dad played in the 1990s Travis like Gray. losing losing those guys hurt right like that that was good size now were they as technically talented or and were they part of a winning culture no but boy I, I have a hard time believing that we don't wish we had them back right now. You know, Travis gray, at least the size um, would have been really nice. So I, I agree with you completely Sam. If, if they don't give him you know, more time, I will say he ran a lot better. We got to see more running from him and he looked good. He had a, I think 20 yard run or something along those lines in the game, uh, which I'd like to, you know, I'm perpetually campaigning for him to do that more. But overall, I mean, they have to fix that and and I don't know how you fix it without the transfer portal.
1: Yeah, this has got to be one of the worst offensive lines. And that says a lot. That says a lot because we have seen some putrid offensive lines in Boulder. Putrid. This has got to be one of the worst I've ever, ever seen because they're terrible on both sides of of, blo- of blocking. They're bad in pass protection, and they're arguably just as bad, if not worse, in run blocking. That was that was not a good ASU team who's badly injured. And once again, CU ended up with I think 56 rushing yards and some of that is from sacks. I understand that Shadour did have a good run and Shadour. I totally agree with you, Chase Shadour using his legs is a huge difference maker in this team's ability to consistently get first downs. He that adds a different dimension. Shadour doesn't look fast. Or he doesn't look quick, I should say. He doesn't accelerate like that. But once he gets going, he moves pretty good. He kind of reminds me of Sefa Lufau in some ways. Sefa Lufau is not what you'd consider a quick runner. But once he once he got going, he, he was able to eat up some yards. And Shadour made some big plays with his legs this week. He made some big plays with his legs against USC. And he's going to have to continue to do that, probably for his own safety. Because at the start of the season, we were thinking okay, he's got to stay in the pocket because we need to make sure he's healthy. But now it's like he's getting crushed in the pocket. He's getting sacked multiple times violently every game. Maybe he needs to actually somehow get out of there. But the thing is the pass protection is so bad that he doesn't even have time to step up. It's collapsing the instant the ball is snapped. The instant the ball is in his hands, it's immediately collapsing. There is at least one or two sacks where I saw – I wish I had a stopwatch to actually to actually see how quick that pocket collapsed it was must have been less than two seconds you would think they're
0: running a screen like that they're intentionally letting them go and then and then you realize that it's not a screen it's just that's what the offensive line looks like and it was kind of heartbreaking to see well not heartbreaking but he decided when he did have a run where he kind of broke loose and was running he dives for the first down rather than um like you know actually diving to not get hit he like dives forward to get the first down and it's like one, I'm really glad we have a quarterback. Unlike Steven Montez, who actually knows where the line to gain is and is is diving oh, for it God. and fighting for it. And I respect the hell out of him for diving for it and putting his body on the line for the for the team. But also, it's like, dude, you are taking so many hits already. Like you don't have to add one more. Like surely this first down is not that important, you know. But hey, we won. So
1: those comments, uh, by the way, that uh, reminds me. Those comments from that coach. It, was, it had to be Dan Landing, right? It had to be. <laughs> who, who else? Yeah. The, the, Has that person watched any of these games? That's why it's so shocking if it is Dan Lanning. Dan Lanning saw it happen. Dude, there was no pocket. There was zero pocket at all. What are you talking about? Oh, he needs to throw the ball away. He's going to throw the ball away in every single play then and just keep taking sacks. It's it's next level bad. But that speaks even more to how talented Shadur Sanders is and why I think that he has an opportunity to be special at the next level. Because he was doing this at Jackson, too. I've, I've brought this up almost, I feel like I bring this up on every podcast. At the Celebration Bowl last year, he was getting destroyed. His offensive line was a revolving turnstile. Absolutely no one stopping him. And he had a huge game, including having that amazing game-tying touchdown as time expired in regulation to tie the game. That was an incredibly impressive performance. And that was, that was my moment where I saw, like, this is going to translate to Power 5. And I didn't think that CU's offensive line would be this bad this year, but that's how it's panned out. That man is so that kid's so talented, man. He's so talented. And uh, before I pass it off to Topher here, last night I saw that uh, Tom Fernelli on tw- on on X posted the 10 teams that have the highest margin of defeat. And two there are actually 11 teams on the list because there's two teams tied for 10th. But two of the 11 teams on the list, Arkansas State, where JT Shroud was the starter at the start of the season, and Nevada, where Brendan Lewis was the starter at the start of the season. And I just saw that and I was thinking to myself, wow, boy, does that explain a lot. No no hard feelings to those kids. Because by all accounts, they they played their hearts out. They, they didn't pack it in. They tried. And I get that Brendan Lewis transferred a little early because... He saw the writing on the wall. He 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 lost his starting job to JT Shroud. That's all you need to know, right? If you're if you're going to lose your starting job to JT Shroud, you should probably find a, a new school to play at. And they both did. So nothing no hard feelings against them, nothing personal, but they th- their teams are completely reflecting their level of quarterback play. And that is the single number one reason why see is 4 and 2 and not own oh and, oh, oh and 6, frankly. Like cuz that is a very legitimate possibility.
3: Yeah, uh, Brendan Lewis saw the writing on the wall and tried to throw a pass, and it came about five feet short.
1: <laughs> it's so true, though. <laughs> I mean, you know, he he had a great game in the Alamo Bowl and that blowout Alamo Bowl, you know, and we gave he uh, gave us awesome hope, but man, he struggled. It was it was hard to watch. He
2: he was too afraid to. he was too afraid to rip it. He took care of the ball though. He didn't throw a lot of picks. We gotta give him that. But, you know, we've been praising uh, Shador this whole time. I have to I have to bag on Shiloh. That was an ugly tackling performance by Shiloh. i it seemed like he was in the right spot a lot. He took a couple bad angles, but God, he's got to wrap up. You got to finish the play, dude. And it, it wasn't just Shiloh. Shiloh was the one that show it showed the most, just because he was. Um, they were stressing that edge a lot, and that's a lot where his filling was. But our tackling was very, very, very ugly the whole game. Um, and that's just something you can't have, right? If you are on scholarship to play Division one football, you have to know how to tackle. We were tackling far too high. We were trying to just deliver hits and not wrap up and finish the play. Um, and that's just flat out unacceptable. Um, so I, I. I, I just I think that's unacceptable and like I don't know as a defensive coordinator like do you have to go back to day one type of football camp like I remember in middle school playing football before we even put on pads we were tackling um, dummies and they were teaching us hey head in front you have to wrap up you go for the hips don't hit high like the, these are etched into my brain so the fact that you're playing at this level and you don't it, it blows my mind. It blows my mind. You're not paid millions of dollars. You're not going flash hits. You just need to be fundamental. Uh, um, Just flat out unacceptable.
1: It, it does make me wonder whether his kidney injury had anything to do with his changed approach. There was one tackle in particular that was just hideous. He had zero leverage whatsoever. And it wasn't even that he got trucked. It's that he, he tried to pull the guy down by his shoulders and failed. It was ugly. It's, it's not the type of tackling that you expect from Shiloh, especially the way he's played so far this year. He's been one of, if not our best DB since Travis Hunter got hurt. He's been so super huge. Not having against USC was devastating. That was a huge reason why they could do absolutely nothing against USC. But you're right, the tackling was abysmal, and uh, hopefully, hopefully, this bye week can't come soon enough. Can't come soon enough. They gotta, they gotta somehow, some way get through the Stanford game. Somehow have to get through it. And I get that Stanford is not good. We're gonna be at home. Is it family weekend this weekend? I can't yeah, remember. It is it? So, but it, not that it matters because every game is sold out and rowdy, anyways. You know. But hopefully, hopefully the eight PM start is is gonna make a is gonna make a still a, a fun environment, and they come out and and play well and just get to the bye week and just get healthy because i do have a sneaking suspicion that 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 was part of what was going wrong um and also i think some of you guys were touching on this in the in the group chat during the game i, I was looking through it afterwards but Cormani, oof he got burned on underneath a lot uh, on those crossing routes that that's ugly that can't happen either and maybe it's good maybe it's good for a freshman to kind of get burned um especially to win, right? If you're going to get burned and you get burned in a win, it's coachable and you don't have to feel bad about blowing the game and you can, you can carry that conference moving forward. So maybe some of that is good too. And speaks to why Cormani maybe wasn't playing that much uh, until the USC game, but there's a lot, there's a lot to be desired there. I think, I think every CU fan with two eyes can, can see that
3: that was the case. Yeah. And going back, going back real quick to um, Topher's comment about Brendan Lewis's lack of interceptions, uh, I think that's a really good point to bring up. It takes a truly, truly great quarterback to throw a ball so badly that nobody on the field can catch it. Um, so I think, so I think, I think we have to get the flowers hours there. It's so true. But more people in the stands caught them than anybody on the field, if I can remember. Um, but also, I think another point that we need to bring up. In terms of tackling, is that they missed? I think they missed Trevor Woods in that game when it came to big tackling. Time. Big I, think, time. I think, I think, so Shil- I think Shiloh has shown that he's an inconsistent tackler. I think sometimes he he does have good fundamentals, sometimes, but sometimes he goes for like a big hit or he goes for not the, not the best fundamentally sound tackling. And we've seen it once or twice already in the season, and then just happened to show up more often this game. Um, but I think getting Trevor Woods back especially after the bye week, I think is huge too. Cause I think he can hide some of Shiloh's inconsistencies and let Shiloh do what he does best. Um, But yeah, that was huge to not have him this week.
2: That is huge. And, you know, uh, speaking of players that we missed, uh, we want to talk about players that we want to highlight. So I will pass it over to chase um, to introduce our Q wealth management
0: player of the game. Well, that's such a good point Topher. We'll go ahead and give our Q wealth management Player of the Game Awards. Go to qwealthmanagement.com to learn more. Uh, this one, I don't I don't know. There's a little bit of disagreement, but we ultimately ended up deciding that uh, we'd go ahead and give, I believe, what was it, North, Northwestern State, I think he transferred from, uh, J- Javon Antonio, the wide receiver kind of coming out of nowhere. Uh, well, not out of nowhere, but having a really good game, um, 81 yards on five receptions, one touchdown uh, with a 43-yard reception was the big one. Um, so had a great game, um, stepping up, you know, it was, it's interesting, right? Cause it seems like Mikey, Mikey, I thought had kind of a quiet game, but I didn't realize he still had six receptions, 36 yards. Jimmy Horn jr has been very consistent, very good. Um, but Javon Antonio kind of separated himself. So that's why we, we went with him on offense and then on defense, um, you know, it, it could have gone a few different directions, but Levonta Bentley, uh, the linebacker, having the most tackles in the game, 11 tackles, um, seven of them solo, two tackles for loss, including a sack um, and a pass defended. He had a great game, um, you know, pass defending as a linebacker, getting the sacks. I mean, he really did it all, um, played well. I thought he was a pretty good tackler. Um, I also thought this could have gone to Miles Slusher. Um, You know, he had a sack, um, you know, six solo tackles. He's the the safety that kind of came out in the corner. With the sack in the game, so overall great performance there. And then as always, for special teams, last week we didn't even have a special teams player of the week. Uh, Topher, do you want to give us the special teams player of the week this uh, week?
2: It's ice in his veins, Alejandro Mata.
1: He it. Wow, yeah. yeah, man, that was awesome. That was so fun. I loved his little dance. That was so fun. <laughs> <laughs> you know i i don't even know how to do it right but it was just so fun it was just so fun the kids and credit
0: where playing. credit's due i mean he had two field goals that were you know everyone's going to remember the second one but he had another field goal from approximately the same spot um that he drilled as well so you know we were worried that he couldn't get the ball up enough but he was he was sick he uh, got the job done and i don't know you know toford mentioned how he kind of does the crunch to get the distance but and I was a little bit nervous on the on the first kick, but he drilled that second kick. Uh, he, you know, yeah. he had that was probably good from maybe fifty. I don't know. Like, the, it was, it was beautiful. Uh, uh,
2: the the what I love about uh, about his kick is they tried to ice him, and on that first one, you could see how low that trajectory was. Right, like he definitely hit a little high on the ball, and the second one he just peered it, and he knew it too. That's the other thing I want to bring up. He hit it. He didn't even have to watch it. He just turned to the sidelines, just held his hands out, and he knew that is. Oh, I can't even tell you. Gives me chills, right? Like you live for that moment. As a kicker, you live for that moment. So, talk your sh, Mata.
1: He is, he is a primes kicker. He really is primes kicker because you look at the guy. He seems like such a quiet young man. Um, he, he's got a baby face. He looks like a kid, <laughs> but then underneath, he's so confident. You heard him. You heard him when he was a. Uh, when he had his post game interviews, like, Oh yeah, I knew he was going to make it. I don't, you know, I don't miss. I don't miss. I love, I mean, and and it's panned out that way. So in his two years in, in college football, he's 15 of 16. And, you know, on field goals 53, 55 on PATs. And, and we know the one that he, he missed this year was blocked. It was a block because it was a low kick. Yeah, probably, but still it was blocked. Right. So the guy, you know, we we really weren't sure what to think, especially after that spring game. You know, with the Jace. Yeah, I, I think we've said it. I think Topher, you hit on it before. Like Jace looks like he'd be the, the the better performing kicker, but Mata has been a crucial part of preventing two really bad losses, and possibly the difference between being two and four and more or less out of bowl contention at this point. To four and two and having a bowl well within her sights as long as business is taken care of. That is thank you, Mata. Um, and before Sam goes, real quick, shout out to Bishop Thomas for that incredible tackle on that final kickoff. That was
3: so fun. Oh yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, I think I think it's important for our listeners to note that if Saraya says that someone has a baby face, that means they just look like they're under 40. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean so. all right. <laughs> Um, oh, man. And also, Come also, on. <laughs> also, I think we should shout out runner-up offensive player of the game, Jeff Sims. I think Jeff, Sim- <laughs> Jeff Sims, Jeff Sims, Nebraska quarterback, can just be a recurring contender for offensive player of the game for CU. I don't know what Jeff Sims is doing now. Writing bench. Yeah, he he's playing? definitely
1: not playing anymore. Because ah, he started
3: in yeah. well, Maybe we can get him on the pod. <laughs> Bring him on. <laughs>
0: So Stanford, going into Stanford, it's over under 59, Colorado minus 12. Stanford has been, frankly, absolutely dreadful this year. Um, most recent game, they lost to Oregon 42-6. I think they're coming in from their bye week um, for us, so they'll have had an extra week to prepare. Um, but this is also a team that lost to Sacramento State, so you got to keep that in mind. Their only win this season was at Hawaii, which, in retrospect, is kind of a impressive win for a team that lost to Sacramento State at home um but yeah i mean there, there's really no bright side of this team it's definitely a team that has not kept up with i mean stanford used to be the boogeyman when we were in school right like mm-hmm. one of the hardest hardest teams on the schedule when benedict arnold himself um christian mccaffrey who should have gone to colorado since uh you know only decent <laughs> player to grow up here in a long time although you know i th- I think uh, phil got the better of him right in uh, 2016 so i
1: don't think christian funny. mccaffrey played but, that uh, game or yeah, he, he, had, did, yeah okay. he did not yeah.
0: that's how much Which is, he is a big reason.
1: That was a big reason that CU won that game. That was an ugly game, but anyway. (laughs)
3: Stanford had five points in that game, I think. Yeah, I think it was five. It was 10 to
0: five. Yeah, I think it was, yeah. And uh, we mentioned this earlier, but it it is the family weekend, and I was thinking about that, and I think that's going to make it a more tame field presence with the parents coming in. I think it'll actually be like a more chill crowd, and I'm calling it now. I do not think if we win this game, which we should, we will storm the field finally and the curse will be lifted. We will have stopped storming the field. If we storm after beating Stanford, <laughs> at that point, it's a bit. And we and should just depends. go all in on it. Oh, uh, sure. and one other thing to mention, it is Friday night light. So it's that 10 p.m. kickoff for me here on the East Coast, um, uh, which will be which will be interesting. I don't know why we would put family weekend on a Friday, but uh, so you know, to each their own. Um and it is Friday the thirteenth. So you know, spooky things can happen, but um, uh. overall. I don't know, you know, I don't know how much Stanford football um, you guys have watched or the people listening, probably, you know, hopefully for your mental health, not very much, but um, there's just really nothing there. And I know I gave a really hard time to like Arizona state. This team is worse. Um, This team's definitely, I think, worse than Colorado state. So as far as like the, this is probably the easiest team we will play this season. And I hate to like, keep jinxing it and, you know, cause something to happen, but this is an irredeemably bad team.
3: Uh, a quick, uh, quick rebuttal to Chase's claim of a uh, more calm crowd due to Family Weekend. Last year's Family Weekend was against Cal, and I can confirm they did storm the field last year on Family Weekend. So, di-
1: circumstances are different, Sam.
3: You the di- Family Weekend, fam- Family Weekend crowd still storms.
1: D- d- the circumstances were wild last year, right? Uh, they just fired Carl Durrell. That was their only chance at a win the whole season. The student section stayed the whole time, which was insane given the circumstances. It's not even like there's any reason to have any hope for that team. But that said, as much as I'm pro storming, I don't think it's going to happen
0: this weekend. One would truly be indefensible. Not not even not even you guys could defend this. I mean, this no. one would. Be if if you're a stud- if you're if you're a student and
3: you're listening to this podcast. And see you wins, storm the field. <laughs>
0: it. it's I will say, bit, storm at this point, the field. it would be really, really funny. <laughs> it,
2: it would be, be for the, meme for, it the would be meme, for the
3: meme. For sure.
0: So, if, the, the, if, if
3: Ralphie's not going to run on the field, if Ralphie's not going to that 30 yeah,
0: yard run, the, we're, the students are going to make that run for her. Yeah. And, and there's no doubt this is a must win for bowl eligibility, right? Like we're, we're four and two, but it, it, I mean, you look at the schedule, there's a lot of hard games left. This one's at home. This is one of those games you got to get if we're going to be going to a bowl game. um Because if we can get to five and five and two, there's no like easy, obvious wins on the rest of that schedule. But this is a team that's talented enough, especially with Travis Hunter coming back, that the path is a lot easier if you only need one versus, uh, dropping this one in boulder so i don't know maybe you guys disagree with me on that but i think this is a must win it is um i i think you know coach prime might legitimately pop an artery if uh if they if they don't win this one and i would really like to see this be a game where we start fast you know like really this would be a good opportunity to change the change the tempo either you know get a good stop early if we're just cursed to forever win the coin flip and and uh defer but However it happens, you know, starting fast, it doesn't matter if it's on offense or defense. I just want to see them play a complete game against an inferior opponent.
2: Uh, yeah, so I think that this is going to be a lot tougher game than we are anticipating because it's a short week for us and Stanford's coming off a bye. Um, now, if Travis plays, I feel pretty confident that we cover the spread. If he does not play... I think this is going to be an absolute dogfight in Boulder on Friday, on Friday night. Um, And with that, if there is an overtime, the students will rush.
1: (laughs) So here's, here's the thing. The same reason why I don't think they're they'll rush is the same reason why I am a little worried about this game, which is Stanford, especially in its current form is a hard team to get up for. They don't have fans, right? Stanford doesn't have fans. They have alumni. And not that many, they have not that many. Cause that's a really tough school to get into It's a really good school. It's an amazing academic school, but they don't, they don't have, it's not, a, it's not a huge student body even. And if you're, if you're glitzy and glamorous enough to have gone to Stanford, chances are football is the last thing you actually care about in the world. They've consistently, even when they had Andrew Luck, even when Andrew Luck was coming into Folsom, when they had Christian McCaffrey, Bryce Love, like all these stud players, they never had great fan support they don't have they don't really have fans so it's a hard game to get up for especially when that team was coming off a bye that team has nothing to lose they really truly have nothing to lose there's no way you're going to hear trash talk from there if i if you do hear trash talk come from stanford good for them that, that's different That's different than the style that you expect from Stanford. And honestly, they need some kind of an identity change in general to survive in the ACC or wherever they're going next year or for like the next two years before they drop football, right? Honestly, at this point. It's a really hard game to, to get up for and to motivate yourself for. And the circumstances are a little spooky. So – yeah, I, and uh, good or bad or whatever, Sacramento State. So Troy Taylor, that's where sat, he came from. He was at Sacramento State, and he obviously did a good enough job at Sacramento State to get the Power 5 job. It's it's spooky.
0: Um,
1: and it's Friday the 13th. Like Chase said, it, it's, it's a spooky game. You just got to find 10
0: p.m. A kickoff, game. Friday night.
1: You just have to find a National way. National TV. Game. Yep. Find... Away, I don't care. I don't even care how uh, it is at this point. I, I've seen, I've seen so much ugly football this year. Now with two, two full games worth of it, and I, I would generally agree with you. I think CSU is more talented, even though CSU, man, CSU got hammered on Saturday by Utah State. They, their season might be falling apart faster than, faster than uh, anyone anticipated. They, they, they started. I think they were up seventeen nothing and just completely fell apart. And then uh, TCU. Oh my goodness. TCU is falling apart too. It's it's some of those, some of those early season, like squeaker wins. Like you look, you look back at that. Thank goodness. We won those games. Thank goodness we found out. Yeah. And this is going to be another one of those. I don't care if it's by 10 touchdowns or whether it's by a, a safety. I just, just get the win, go to the buy, get healthy, and then go to the Rose bowl uh, at the end of the month and just go fight for bowl eligibility. That bowl eligibility this season would be such a spectacular win. There's so many people in the off season that were like, if, if coach Prime gets this team bowl eligible, he's the greatest coach in the history of college football. Well, if you beat Stanford, you're one win away with five very tough games left.
0: Fortunately, we've never struggled to get the eligibility when we're one one away. That would never.
1: Um... Ne- I've never and it's not like we're 0-10 the last times we've tried. <laughs> yeah.
3: But it it is it is interesting uh, like your point about the Stanford trash talkers, because one of the greatest trash talkers in the history of the NFL is a graduate of Stanford himself and Richard Sir- Sherman. Mm. Is kind of an interesting great point. Interesting a great point. great point. In in my Opinion: The only way this game is close is if they stop, like halfway through the second quarter, and like ask them to do like a mock trial debate, and then ask them, to <laughs> study. And then, they, then they ask them to take the MCAT, and then maybe build a rocket. Well, we might we might have them building rockets. I think so we got them on rockets. We, so, but <laughs> like this is, I think this is the game where CU finally realizes, oh, we're better than this team. Let me let's beat the brakes off of them. Cause I think it takes a while for really good teams to realize they're really good. It's kind of like, like a, like you see one of the, you, you see like a grizzly bear. It's like a little cub. They don't know how strong they are. So they're kind of <laughs> like falling all over the place and they don't, they don't really know how to use their strength. I think it takes talented teams time to realize how to use their talent effectively, especially when you're playing against someone that is that has less talent than you. It's hard to not play down to your opponents and I think this is the week where they realize how to do that effectively. How to how to beat a team that they're much better than that. They're much better than.
1: I do worry that they're a team with a lot of talented players, but not a good team yet. That's the one thing they've not put it together for a full game, once all season, and hopefully this is the first opportunity. But even if it isn't, just find a way. That's all I want.
0: Yeah, I I, I just I think Prime after i think the colorado state game is going to be what coach that's going to be the bulletin board material all week right because like you guys said there is no there's legitimate you know i think maybe if coach prime was manufacturing a little bit of stuff to like make it personal in some of those games we're being honest um there's literally nothing you can do to make this one personal stanford just doesn't care and unless they run out of wine and cheese wine and cheese in the uh, stadium stanford fans are you know they really don't care if they win or lose they're just kind of happy to be on vacation in aspen and then maybe swing through boulder right so I I think coach prime is going to look at that Colorado state game and say, this is an example of when you were the better team and you did not show up ready. And, you know, I know, I understand the worries about, you know, it's the week before the bye week maybe they're looking forward to the, the, you know, the week off, you know, it's a, it's a Friday, it's on national television, it's 10 PM. They're going to overlook them. You know, I understand all those arguments, but man, coach prime is not going to let that happen. Even, you know, if you watch the prime on prime on Amazon, uh, the documentary, you know, even after he had announced that he was going to Colorado, I know they lost the celebration bowl, but he came back and, you know, it was like, we are focused. Like, this is the goal. And I think that coaching staff is going to keep them motivated. And I think they're going to take it out on Stanford. So I'll go ahead and just give my, my prediction. Um, the over-under is 59. I think it goes way under. I think this game is going to look shockingly similar to Nebraska where, um, you know, Nebraska might, or excuse me, Stanford, the, you know, the the bad red team this week, Stanford might get, you know, 3 or 6 points. I, I think we're going to kill them and I think it's we're going to smother them. I don't think our lines are going to struggle all that much. Um I think you know, we might struggle a little bit, but I I I just don't think this game is going to be close. Um so I'm going to I'm going to call it 35-7 and I hope Travis comes back for a very limited period of time, but I really hope Travis does not aggravate anything before he can get up, uh, you know, the bye week off and and really heal.
3: Yeah. uh, Stanford fans think that football is just part of their academic decathlon team up there in Palo Alto. (laughs) So if I, if I had to put a score to this, I think, I think it'll be the 42 17, but not a close 42 17, like 42 to three. And then you take out the starters and they get a couple garbage time touchdowns. And like, I don't think this one's even remotely close.
1: For me, I'm a little bit more pessimistic after of what I've seen the last few weeks. I do, so I remember, so I wasn't on last week, but um, watching that USC game, I did feel like there was a lot of victory lapping from a loss. I do think that there were some very unimpressive things about CU in that game, and they really needed an onside kick. They legitimately need an onside kick to have the opportunity to get the ball back to tight. It. So it was never truly in our grasp to have that win, even though they did play amazingly well in the second half. So take that for what you will. They looked horrible against Oregon. They looked horrible against CSU. They looked bad in the first half against Nebraska. This is a trend. Coach Prime has been open about this consistently. Glad that the team is winning, but they are playing like hot garbage. I'm very worried. And a part of it is not having Travis. Honestly, I think that that there's there's something to be said for that. Travis makes a huge difference. He's the best player on both sides of the ball and that's crazy considering that we have Shadur Sanders as our quarterback. Um he makes a huge huge difference. So I'm a little bit more pessimistic. I'm still not going to predict that they're they're not going to cover. I do I do think that they're going to cover, but I think it's going to be ugly. I think it's going to be like 28 to 13. And none of us are going to feel great about it. We're probably just going to go home super late at night for the game or go to bed super late at night. If we're watching it on TV and be like, okay, well we're five and two, let's just go to the bye week and get good. And just, I don't want the, I don't want to think about the alternative to that. So I'm just, just get through this one. That's all. Like, just get through this one. Then I'll go enjoy my week off of not going to games and go, like, hiking or something. <laughs> go enjoy some fall colors while they're still there. I just, I- I'm worried about it for sure. Just get me through the game. That's all I care about.
2: Yep. Uh, I think it's going to be a very late night in Boulder. I think it is going to be a slugfest. And I think that the buffs win a close one. A very close one. Go, Give me 33-28 final.
1: That's an interesting score prediction, Topher. Where have I heard of thirty-three twenty-eight before? Hmm. That's a, a Vegas awfully special, f- awfully familiar, involving Stephen Montez and Lavisca Chenault <laughs> in front of a bunch of red.
2: Hmm. <laughs>
1: huh.
2: Crazy. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just feeling it. I just, I, I just don't think you can under, underrate how tired our team is going to be, and how f- refreshed they're going to, uh, Stanford's going to be. And even, even if Stanford can't get up for this every team that we play that we're their super bowl, all eyes are on us, all targets on us. They're going to have a lot of will They're They're going to come out swinging. And if, uh, if we're not ready, it, it's going to be, it's going to be ugly on Friday night. And I fully expect it to be ugly. A lot of missed tackles, a lot of missed blocks, but hopefully our talent can just outlast them.
1: Find a way, just, just find, find a way, a way. just find And that's what they did against ASU and CSU, right? Found a way, find a way.
0: And on uh, Topher's pessimistic note there, we will go ahead and close it on out. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening. As always, if you could give us a follow on you know, Spotify, give us a review, um, follow us on X, Instagram, YouTube, all those places, um, and we're going to be trying to make some content. And we will be um, doing an episode, even though it is the bye week, we'll still be doing an episode next week um, in the off week as well. But with that being said, thanks for listening, and we'll see you guys next week. Go buffs! Go buffs! Go buffs! Go buffs.